Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Happy Monday. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. It's Joey Wagner, Jeremy Warner, and we're going to talk some Illini spring football. We will get to basketball offseason, all of that. Derek Piper, busy put, uh, posting some content today on Illini basketball's offseason, but we got a really good look at Illinois football, a full open scrimmage. Brett Bielma provided to us media as the coaches clinic was in town. So hundreds of coaches there, they decided to let us media get a look at this. And I think the most important part of this is not scheme. Um, we wouldn't share a lot of those details otherwise, because we're not trying to provide, uh, you know, an advantage for Illini opponents, but we get to see some personnel where people are lining up, how they look when they line up. So we are going to have some spring scrimmage takeaways uh, on this podcast today. And we'll also talk about some names you need to know, some potential risers who will make an impact on this team. So Joey Wagner is somebody who loves access. Uh, so we can inform our listeners, our viewers our readers some context some insight in this Illinois football team that was fun even though it was very cold on Saturday and windy and you sir did not wear a hat to protect that beautiful head of hair of yours a problem I do not have all true uh yeah if I had one complaint it was that I wore shorts on Friday and I wore shorts on Sunday but Saturday was truly miserable and, and really the, the part of that that's for you and I was kind of um I don't even say frustrating but like you didn't get the truest sense maybe of the yeah. quarterbacks because it was so miserable out there. Um, but otherwise, yeah, man, it was it was good. I think you and I have agreed not to rehash the same uh, discussion that we've had for, I don't know, since Brett Bielma was hired. One-on-one, like, I, I don't really care. I mean, you, you care in the sense of you want to know about the schemes. I just, just need to see competitive things to – to know how it matches up. We saw that. Uh, to their credit, we saw that. Yeah. It was a welcome surprise. I did wait a little bit. Saturday was April 1st. I thought, are we going to get an email like, yo, we got you guys. Uh, don't come in. We'll talk to you after. But no, we got in and yeah. it was good, man. I feel like I know the team better. Uh, we'll, we'll get in some questions we still have, but it was it was really helpful to get a feel for at least the ones and twos on that particular day. Yeah, and I don't want to belabor this point, but just to, to take you behind the scenes of our job, Brett Bielma's job, how it kind of interacts here. Um, my first job covering a Division One beat uh, outside of, you know, a Division One football beat, I should say. I covered uh, Illinois basketball while I was in college for the Daily Illini, but was Jerry Kill up at Northern Illinois, and he had practice all open. 
which made it a, a, a difficult job because you had to be. I, I wanted to be there every day, and that's a lot of time. But you also got to know the team extremely well. And Jerry was always of the mindset: I make a lot of money because of the exposure you guys provide as a conglomerate media, including TV, obviously. Um, and, and but he said two things: you do not divulge plays you do not divulge injuries until you talk to me you do not divulge scheme and all of that otherwise i'll take away that access and i always thought that was the best way of doing it because he thought it was important for us me as a beat writer then to know a lot about his team uh lovey smith kept you know some spring open but mostly just training camp uh, ron zook was the same way bruce weber always had open practice bruce was an open book uh, but a lot of that's changed in today's landscape and Brett Bioma has found it to be advantageous to, to close more of that off to us. He does provide a lot of access to players, to coaches, to talk to them. But being able to see them, and I agree with you, Joey, just in one-on-one, just to see how do these guys measure up against each other. You know, and, and we've seen enough football, enough practice to know, you know, what we're looking for a little bit to, to see who's good who should we be talking about who should we be writing about on this team so i think it provides necessary context so i'm glad brett bioma has given us a little bit of a look more than just the spring game you know we got 40 minutes a couple saturdays ago got to see a little bit of one-on-ones and now we got to see a full spring scrimmage just to decide like okay that guy's repping with the ones maybe we should talk and ask about him more yeah i think that's the biggest thing and again i know there's a most fans don't really care about some do and that's fine uh, I, I think the issue for us it, it just helps informs questions right yes. it's it's not hey x coach how who who looks good who what you know and which is effectively just can you please rattle off a little bit of something about all of your players i guess what it comes down to and a lot of coaches are hesitant to name names because you forget somebody and all of a sudden it's you know fire and oh my god why didn't so-and-so coach mention x yeah. player and so I, I get it. Like, I understand all. I just think it would help inform questions about who we need to talk about. And obviously we're going to do that here, Jeremy, but you're right. The, ultimately the access we get, I mean, we talk to 15 people a week between coaches and yeah. players. And that's, dude, that's, it's, it's hard to complain about that with a straight face. Uh, and look, Brad Bielman's job is to win games. And if he thinks not having us around helps, and there's a lot of us too, like, right. I mean, yeah. there's objectively a lot of people who cover, this program but saturday was good let's let's get into that that's more yes. fun to talk about saturday's really good all right so we're gonna go down a list of thoughts that we have about this scrimmage and while i know most people know this about the team i'm starting off my number one point about illinois is their defensive front in the big 10 is top tier johnny newton was unblockable no matter who was blocking him he is one of the best players in america at his position and he was dominant he was my number one this guy looks like a different animal out there uh he is fantastic uh, and it's not just his physical talent which we know is great joey how quick he is how strong he is terrence jameson and johnny newton have done a great job with his technique the way he dislodges from blockers throws them to the side his handwork is phenomenal but gabe Ackes for all the hype he's gotten about a really good freshman year, um, he looks like he's taken another step forward. He was pretty unblockable on the edge. Keith Randolph, we know is stout. I thought T-Rot Edwards at nose guard, who I thought last year showed he can be a Big Ten quality player and, and rotation player and potentially starter, 
as he rotated with Calvin Avery. I thought he looked the part. Uh, and then Seth Coleman had some some really big plays. Alec Bryant had a really solid performance. That defensive front, I think Michigan would take it. I think Penn State would take it. Like obviously Ohio State's got ridiculous talent, but I think this group could play for Ohio State and look the part. I I think this big this is the best. One of the most talented fronts I've covered. And Illinois has had some good ones in my time. I wasn't here for the Corey Legit year where he was really good. But that next year they had Whitney Merciless, who had one of the best years we've ever seen from an Illinois player, let alone defender. Uh, Akeem Spence, Michael Buchanan, Glenn Foster, rest in peace. And then we saw a group with Dewan Smoot, Jihad Ward, Carol Phillips, um, Chunky Clements. That was a really good group. Uh, I'd put this group up uh, up there, maybe number one. Um, so I, I just think it's it's worth reinforcing how good this defensive front is when you include defensive line, outside linebackers. You can throw linebackers in there as well, but that is a top-tier college football group, not just top-tier Big Ten West. Um, it is one of the best in college football. So I, I want to hammer home that point. I think I did. You did. And I I think the other point to make is maybe you heard that and think, oh, crap, the offensive line might be in trouble. And that's also not really the case as you and I think it. Now, we're going to get into Josh Geske here. And it's a big task for for young Mr. Geske to find himself against Gabe Ackes, against Seth Coleman. Um, But this wasn't just those guys dominating a group of second stringers which to be fair Jeremy we're probably going to see that yeah on April 20th uh, in the spring game but man this was like I mean Isaiah Adams is a really good player Julian like they lost reps to some of those guys they want some too yeah but I just don't want anyone to hear that and think like oh god the offensive line Luke <laughs> that, Altmaier is going to be like, gonna that's be like, always the thing when we're talking about practice right, right? is like that's you're right. like oh the other group must stink that's not the case no, this is just a really, really good front, and it's why back in January when Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph said they were coming back, that was one of those circle this date, this moment, however you want to approach it. And remember, like that's going to tell a lot about the 2023 football season is getting those two guys back. And let's be honest, getting Gabe Backus back, right? Because there are SC teams that want to steal Gabe Backus. And the fact that he is back, that he didn't enter the transfer portal. And that's why – we can get all hot and bothered about the transfer portal uh, in both football and basketball, but retention of your players is so important. And that's why you look at Michigan basketball for a cross-sport example, like to lose Hunter Dickinson and also lose your guys of the draft. Illinois could have lost Johnny Newton of the draft, Isaiah Adams of the draft. They didn't. They brought him back. Uh, that says a lot of faith in Brett Bielman and his staff. It shows Illinois' NIL operation is prioritizing probably the right things. Um, so I, th- I think that's just monstrous. And, and to have that good of a defensive front back, assuming health, gives you a really high floor for what you're going to do defensively. So uh, obviously you got a lot to lose in the secondary, a lot to replace in the secondary. Mm-hmm. But to get that defensive line back, I think this defensive defensive group is still going to be really dang good in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I do want to make one more point, Jeremy, about the NIL operation. Uh, obviously, you've written about the icon uh, group that, that has now been been made there. And, and, like, that's just a big question around college sports. Is, well, what's the NIL look like here, here, and here? And, and we've always said, you know, those numbers really aren't, like, available. No one's walking yeah. around with signs like we make, you know, X, Y, and Z this year. But I, I think you read the tea leaves, right? You read – the fact that Johnny Newton and Isaiah Adams, for example, came back and you can say, well, they're competitive in that sphere mm-hmm. and they're making good pitches. Like, I think that's what you have to to look at is you've got to kind of read around when trying to understand 
um, where, where the NIL is because no one's going to say it. I get that. But that to me tells me this is a competitive uh, operation and, and they're giving those opportunities and retention. Like that's kind of the big, it, it's clear that that's the priority is get that retention. And, and obviously Brett Bielman will tell you, you know, about the long term you know, moving up a couple spots, rounds, whatever you want to look at in the draft. But it tells me it's um, it, it's a functional and pretty good operation they have. All right, Joey, give me one of your top takeaways. Uh, I, I think we covered two of them. The defensive front, offensive line is fine. Uh, before we get too far, I walked out of there, Jeremy, impressed with the kickers. Like, that, no one wants to hear about it. Everyone wants to hear about the quarterbacks. I understand that. It stunk outside. It was windy. It was rainy. It was cold. Caleb Griffin and David Alano hit some hit some kicks, especially at the end. I mean, uh, it it wasn't raining. We already got inside. We wimped out, and by the end of the Devo, we're like, okay, I think I've seen enough of Cal Swanson and the third string offensive. I'm going to go inside. Like I can't feel my feet. Soft. Yeah, we were soft. We got to get used to this. Um, But they kicked field goals in like swirling rains, 30 mile an hour gusts. They had 50 plus yard field goals in that 10 practice and people were pumped about it. Should now, should we have brought it up 12 minutes into the podcast? I don't know, but like that yes. is a takeaway. I'm when... here for the kicker talk in the A block of the Illini Inquirer <laughs> podcast. Because conversely, it was really hard. Like I know people might know about the quarterback, so we can go into that right now, Jeremy, but it was hard to get a read on them because one, uh, the defensive line was pretty good and poor, Poor Mr. Brandon Henderson has been on campus for roughly three or four months, and it is a tall order to see Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman standing across. From and you. I liked – the there were things stuff. I liked about Brandon Henderson. Absolutely. Like, next year, he's going to be one of my breakout candidates Absolutely. because – Yeah, this is not a sound the alarms on him. That is just a tall order um, to, to do in your first four months on campus. But all that played in, like, it was kind of hard to get a read on the quarterback situation. I know Luke Altmaier, Jeremy, I know you wrote about it. He had a really nice ball to Casey Washington that went for a touchdown. That's probably the highlight of the the passing portion of the day, and, and I think the weather probably had more to do with that than it didn't. Yeah, so if we want to talk impressions of the quarterbacks, I agree with you. The kickers, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Like, my two questions about the kickers are, can Caleb Griffin get to the top tier of Big Ten kickers? Or can David Alano push Caleb Griffin? Like, those are two good questions uh, at, at a position that we're talking about can the guy get to the top tier because I thought Caleb proved himself as a Big Ten quality guy last year uh, especially after the early struggles and then David Alano I, I think would be ready uh, I, I think he's kind of built for it not just his leg I mean it's amazing a 150 pound guy can have that much leg strength but he also just seems like he's built for hitting a 50-yarder on national television, the All-American game, and then to make the kick he did uh, when we saw him. So, And I think what? You guys talked to Robbie Disher. He hadn't missed a field goal at that point in week two? At that point, I, I really at this he point. He missed one like, on Saturday, 44 okay. yards. At this point, like we're getting far enough into the spring portion of this that I would like Illinois football's Twitter account to tweet out a daily update on K- David Alano's um, <laughs> yeah. kicking kicking successor i saw him miss a 40 something yarder missed a wide left but it had plenty of leg um but quarterbacks kind of what i expected again hard to evaluate in that day when the wind was going crazy it was like the michigan state day where it was just like man we can barely throw the ball but luke altmeyer had moments where i'm like yeah that's what it looks like it looks tall poised in in the pocket great quick release I, the barry Loney really prioritizes that um, and then he made that the best throw of the day, in my opinion, to Casey Washington. 
um, you know, beat the zone defense. I think Prince Green was coming over the top, and he beat him. Uh, and it was a great play by both those guys. But he also made some decisions where he was getting close to picked once or twice uh, in that day. So that's about what I expect for a guy who hasn't started a lot, hasn't had a ton of game reps. Obviously, he's had a lot of reps in college, but I think there's going to be some growing pains, but I think there's also going to be some good things with Luke Altmaier. So nothing to sway to me, at least from Saturdays. You know, How many series did Luke get, three or four? It's, yeah, it's not a back. huge sample size, but nothing to sway to me from thinking he can be a solid Big Ten starter this year with the potential to be good. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I hope no one just in any spring – unless somebody's just spiking footballs into the dirt like it's probably that's probably much too early to take those away but yeah i it's exactly like it's what we thought when he committed right that there's going to be like the talents there there's going to be highs and lows and if you're illinois you hope the offensive line of the run game can help and the talent a wide receiver as well around him can help ease that transition i think sunday or saturday rather was was a lot of the same. I mean, it's. I would like to see it, not even on a perfect day, just on a less yeah. crappy day. I would like to see some of those. But, yeah, I think I, nothing made me think he's not going to be the starter, and nothing made me think Illinois is going to fall down to the bottom of college football and passing offense. Yeah. Right? Like, I think he's going to be fine with some throws he wants back and with some throws that you say, oh, that's what it looks like when you're a four-star or whatever, and, you, and you've got your pick of wherever the heck you want to go out of high school. Yeah. So too early to make like, is he going to be better than Tommy DeVito? Is he going to be? I don't know. Tommy's got way more experience. See, there was a, a little bit more of a known with him. Uh, given the known is is John Paddock and kind of what I expected. I mean, he's really undersized. It was kind of funny seeing him stand next to Jordan Anderson in the backfield. It was like you and I standing up there watching. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. If you don't know, Joey's six foot three, four. Something in there. Yeah. I'm five nine. Paddock's a little taller than me. On the line I inquire roster, I think you would probably be listed at a generous six six feet six I, one. I give myself five ten, uh, but I, I'm really you gotta straight, you gotta expand your roster. You gotta <laughs> really build that up, man. I'm really five nine. Is Paddock listed at six foot? Because uh, I don't think he's six foot. Um, but he's got he's got some swagger. He's got some moxie. Uh, you could tell he's played college football before. Nothing physically is going to blow you away with him, but I thought he looked like a very capable option back there. Didn't make any throws that made me shake my head uh, like some of the younger guys, right? Um, but also didn't blow you away with anything, but just seemed to have command, seemed to have poise. Um, those are the things I think you brought John Paddock in to be. I think Luke Altmyers the clear front runner. I'll reiterate that. Um, and I think Paddock is probably the guy. He was the second quarterback on the field after Altmyer. And I think he's battling Donovan Leary for, for the backup reps. And I, I thought Donovan had a, a poor start, uh, some inaccurate throws, but I thought he really settled in uh, as it went along. It's an important spring for him just to get reps because when you're the four-string quarterback during the fall, you just don't get reps. Um, they're all going to the starters. They're all going to the backups. You get some Devo practices in there, development practices, but you just don't get a lot of reps. So uh, Donovan Leary, it's important just to get those reps, get on the field. And then we saw Kirkland show. Probably the most unpolished of those guys, given that he's just still getting back into college football, getting reps. Those are the guys that got most of the reps. Yeah, I. it's a big spring for Donovan because I think there's a real chance you can push John Paddock uh, to – like that's the – we've covered enough quarterback competitions, uh, Jeremy here covering Illinois. This isn't one, but the competitions for, for quarterback two, which is 
Like this is exactly when all these commitments started to happen and they got Luke Altmaier, then John, this is exactly like literally falling to the script of what everybody thought. And that's not exclusive to you and I, literally everybody who follows this program, like it's following that script entirely. I'm with you, John Paddock. He's kind of fun to watch uh, because he does have that, like there's a moxie to him, a guy who's, this is fifth year in college, right? Six, is this sixth? I think it's a fifth, might be a sixth, yeah. So, I mean, you put him at roughly 23 years old. Uh, it's a guy who just looks like he's been around, who's done that. Uh, it's, I, I thought he was fun. Now, like, if he's Art Sikowski for you, that's great. Like, if you get Iowa Art Sikowski in that game and the rest holds into place. It's his sixth year, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's an older guy who's been around. Uh, he, If he wins the second job, the quarterback two job, great. And if Donovan Leary wins it, yeah. then if you're a fan, you've got to look at that and think, whoa, okay, like that's the trajectory you want to see out of your first hand-picked high school quarterback recruit. So I, I think that's probably the most intrigue, Jeremy, but I, yeah. I don't know that you and I leave there with any ah, takeaways other than Luke Altmaier is going to be the starter barring something wild. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Has anything changed about what you feel at running back or wide receiver? Not really. I, part the, I do. I've kind of battled a little bit with myself. Like, are are we talking about Reggie Love enough? Because it feels like Josh McRae's like because what he did his freshman year, and we know he wasn't healthy last year. Like all the attention goes there because there's still a little bit of the unknown. And then I think, man, we might not be talking about Reggie Love enough because I think he's going to get him and McRae are going to be if they're not. I mean, they're going to be close in carries, and and you know maybe McRae will get more. But Reggie Love's been consistent, and he it seems a lot, Jeremy. Like last year, he won a lot of trust yeah. with Barry Lunny, and I think that can't be overlooked. He had one of the best runs. He was the most explosive guy, I, I thought, back there. Just the initial burst uh, across the line of scrimmage or through the hole. Um, yeah, I, I think he's definitely one of the two guys who's going to get the most carries to start the season, right? Like, I, there's no question for me. Uh, Josh McCray didn't get a lot of reps. Um, I think it's important for him just to get back in the flow of things because last year got disrupted. I think there were some confidence issues with him later in the year. Uh, Jordan Anderson, I thought, looked what I thought Jordan Anderson could be. Uh, I think he's got a real chance to crack the rotation, whether it's the second guy or the third guy. Uh, and Aiden Lawfrey had one of the best runs of the day as well. Like there was nothing, no breakaway runs here, but Aiden did have who he didn't have as many touches, didn't have as many reps, but he did have one run through the, the line of scrimmage, broke a tackle. Uh, so just getting that explosiveness, like Love and Lawfrey are obviously those guys, and then McCray and Anderson are the big backs, and then you just see Caden Fagan come in. And you're just like, how big can these guys be? Uh, he got a goal line carry, and he did cross the the, the plane. So uh, I, they just got a lot of options back there, man, and and I think you need them at that position. So uh, the fact that you have Lawfrey behind Love, the fact that you have McCray, Anderson, and Fagan. Uh, those are all kind of mix and match and, and figure out what you have. The The question we all have is, what's the top end of those guys? And that's a fair question. And But you just you do have some faith, given that you have Brett Bielman, a, a pretty good offensive line, you think, that you're going to be productive in the run game. 
Yeah, and I think one of my takeaways is as we watched, they worked some goal line, some red area. I thought, okay, you know, Josh McCray was hurt. We don't know how ready in that middle part of the season that Jordan Anderson was. Um, but I, I left there thinking, if you're in the inside the two or three, uh, you've got probably, let's say, two, right? You, you would probably lean on McCray and Anderson. I don't, I don't know. You and I are going to sit here and say, oh, Fagan's ready to yeah. go charge through. But I, I feel like the red zone, like that helps the red zone. Is it like a cure-all fix? Probably not. Um, but I think having two guys who you feel comfortable enough that are that large um, is certainly helpful down there. That was one of my takeaways is, okay, I, I kind of like their goal line options, uh, especially with McCray healthy. And it looks like Jordan Anderson's really taking the step. On April 3rd, my guess on running backs, it's an educated guess. Reggie Love most carries, Josh McCray second, Jordan Anderson third. Uh, and then Aiden Loffrey's got a chance to go in there. And that's all assumes health. Caden Fagan's probably a year away, I would imagine. Um, so he's exciting. I think he's got potential. Right now, I think Jordan Anderson's obviously more ready to play, but you got good options there. Wide receiver, no surprise. The top guys, Isaiah Williams, Casey Washington, Pat Bryant. Um, it's a big spring, I think, for that next group of guys, right? Like Hank Beatty, Ian Pugh, Ashton Hollins, Sean Miller was in a green jersey getting him back. There's going to be. There's going to be some uh, potential for Colin Dixon and Malik Elzey to get some playing time, though. Like, nothing of that second group. Again, a tough day for the passing game to even do anything. But, like, I, I didn't see anything quite yet. Like, Ashton Hollins might have a chance to play. Keon Battle we saw with the second group a little bit. Um, that second group's got to step up this spring. It'd be my takeaway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you would probably like as much uh, runway room over the next group as you can get because Lee Kelsey's really good. He's a hyped guy for a reason. He's got a body to contribute sooner rather than later. Colin Dixon's an impressive kid. Now, that's not us saying like, ah, they're going to blow up everything when they get here and, and Malik Kelsey and Colin Dixon are going to be, you know, let's, let's temper expectations. But I think that next group has to probably be aware that those guys are coming in and, it is like if you're Ashton Holland, you want to make some plays in the spring to that sticks on tape uh, when fall camp comes around and solidifies your spot. Uh, but the top three, we never thought that was changing, right? I, I don't think that really was going to. But yeah, there, as you watched, they got a little further down, and Isaiah Williams was part of like the maintenance plan. Not injured, but Brett Bielma is along the same lines of remember last year when he was like, I don't need to see Chase Brown run anybody over in the spring. You probably don't need to see Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, you know, your star stars yeah. uh, in the spring. So when he got to that second group, I remember thinking, if this is a true depth chart, there's room yeah. for some guys to come in in the summer and shake things up and put their names in it. Uh, but yeah, it's Sean Miller's the one who still is really fascinating to me, Jeremy, because you and I thought last year, before a collarbone injury in the spring, before he got hurt week zero, like, Mm, this guy could be he's mature he's polished he, he's got those things that he can help you and you should, we haven't really gotten a good a good look at him to this point yeah i just don't know if i can put expectations on him that's right like i just don't know if i can go into the season telling fans they have expectations when he's been injured i liked him as a prospect but we haven't seen much since then so i just i don't know what the expectation should be uh offensive line julian pearl isaiah adams uh then you have on the left side then you have josh kurtz at center right now with zach barlev repping behind him uh, and then at right guard, Jordan Slaughter. 
and you also had Josh Geske. We'll get into some of those offensive line, but right now your second string offensive line had Brandon Henderson at your left tackle, a true freshman in his spring semester. Uh, you had a walk-on or two, I believe, in that second string because Zy Chrysler is hurt. We did not see Hunter Whiteneck. He was I, in a walking boot. He was in a walking boot. Clayton Leonard, I saw him in position drills. I did not see him get reps. I can't remember seeing him get reps during the thing. So they were short some guys. Uh, now you have Zy Chrysler, uh, Desmond Schuster, obviously going to be part of that too deep, the Juco who's enrolling in, in, in uh, June. But – that first look, that second, that second group, they need some guys to get healthy, right? Like I, I do think they're developing depth, but with Whitenack and Chrysler out, that second group did not look like how you want a second group to look. But that's why it's not concerning yet because it's spring, right? And the second group, like when we say second group, to me, there's a difference between second group and second five. Um, yes, because, because the second, yeah. Let, let me just put it this way. Um, you had Brandon Henderson and Mountis Moeller as your backup tackles, like second-string tackles. They will not be top four options at tackle this year. The top four options at tackle will be Julian Pearl, Josh Geske, Isaiah Adams, and likely Zai Chrysler. Correct. So second, like, and it'll be the same thing, just to maybe bookmark this reminder in the spring game that when you yeah. see the second five, that's not necessarily if X player gets hurt and this person comes up from the second fives you just got to make it work, right? Like yeah. in, in practices and in inter, inter-team practices, you got to make it happen. In other words, uh, you have usually eight guys in your two-deep right. on the offensive yeah. line. They just change position. Now, I think it's become more and more clear. I wrote, uh, Jeremy, I've got a position battle update and see some people asking about position battles. We'll talk about it. We've got content coming out on it. Uh, but it's becoming more and more clear to me that it would have to take probably a lot to break up the left side. Like I think that they are really – really set on keeping that together unless you look over at the right side and either there's been an injury or someone's just stalled out yeah. uh, it, it seems a lot like jordan uh julian pearl left tackle isaiah adams left guard which brings us to the right side and the intrigue and, and josh Geske, man like we'll get into a name to know but he is a name really really to know because he might be out in front of the right tackle um race yeah. right now J- just to reset i think we think there's three starters given Right, that'd be Julian Pearl at left tackle, Isaiah Adams at left guard, most likely, and Zai Chrysler at either right guard or right tackle. And then the question is: Is the center Josh Kruitz or is it a transfer portal guy? And then is the right tackle Josh Geske or is it Zai Chrysler? Is Jordan Slaughter going to be at guard? Zai Chrysler's at right tackle. All those things got to got to play out. Um, so we'll, we'll find that out here as we go along. The well, other we should th- point out, like they've explored. Sorry, Jeremy, they they explored the transfer portal with Avery Jones at center so it's not like this is some like they've already gone down that road so well spring would be a chance for either josh uh Krutz or zach barlow to say no no we, yeah. like alex pilstrom exactly like alex pilstrom did but they've explored that route previously the other thing i wanted to bring up before we switch to potential risers some names to know uh is the secondary and i thought you made a great comment while we we're watching practices I don't think the intrigue is who plays corner or who plays safety because I think those are locked in. I, I really do. I mean, maybe we get one change, but Taz Nicholson will start at one corner spot. Then it'll be Tyler Strain or Caleb Patterson. Maybe that continues to go along. Elijah McCantos could be in there. Zach Toby got some reps at corner. I would expect Jaheim Clark to come in and probably play corner. Maybe he can play nickel. But or Crane probably yeah, as the, well. in, the intrigue is at safety, which includes Nichols. Because 
they mixed and matched those guys so much. We saw TJ Griffin at free safety with Matthew Bailey out, right? Matthew Bailey has a foot injury. He won't be back until the summer. Um, we saw Nicario Harper, the Louisville transfer, play both strong safety and free safety. We saw Xavier Scott locked in at nickel. We saw Keontae Curry play free safety and nickel. We saw Prince Green play safety, free safety, maybe nickel. Maybe he played some yeah, of that, but he was in the box. <laughs> and then you saw Tyson Rooks playing nickel. So that's where I think the intrigue is because the nickels practice with the safeties. Quan Martin was one of those guys, played nickel and free safety. We saw Sydney play in the box. We saw him play some free safety at times as well. Um, they like those guys to be interchangeable. And boy, they seem to be playing with it, experimenting with who plays where outside of Xavier Scott. I would plug in Xavier Scott as my starting nickel. We could talk about him a little bit more. Which has been the plan, by the way. You'll remember, I think Ryan Walters last season really kind of made mention uh, of it in the long-term fit for Xavier Scott. Nickel, I know Ryan Walters isn't here, but I don't think Aaron Henry thinks completely something entirely different. He was part of recruiting this as well. Uh, yeah, that that's the one where I don't – like. I think that doesn't change um, really at all. And I think Matthew Bailey is going to be a safety. Uh, at one of like I think a starter I should say you're going to pencil him in at one of these done too much to make you think otherwise uh, so then it becomes okay is Matthew Bailey a free or a strong safety and if he's this then who is the other uh, that, that's really where the intrigue is I, I, I totally agree I, I think we know the corners safety's fascinating dude it, it is forgot, really fascinating I forgot one name solo turn so, that's right yeah, yeah solo turn played some strong safety uh, with the second unit, I think, for the most part. So he's a big physical guy, walk-on, Alana legacy. So, yeah, he's he's another name to have in your head. But those guys looked the part. I mean, there, there's some inexperience there, but they looked the part. They hit hard. They have confidence. Taz Nicholson was doing his best Devin Witherspoon uh, impression when he got a pass breakup. He was talking his ish. So um, it's, it's, it's a – it's a group that has a lot of questions, but I'm not as concerned about it given the front seven in front of them and given the development and the talent they've gotten to that position. Yeah, I think it was the first play that we saw. Uh, TJ Griffin put a pretty big hit on, and it's like, oh, okay, this is uh, this is something back there. So, somebody asked the, this DB's play styles. I, I think Harper's going to be your hitter. Like Harper is going to hit. He's a, he's built very soundly to do that. I, I think Matthew Bailey we've seen uh, put put some hits and I, I think and I know you asked Brett Bielema and we talked to Aaron Henry. They talk about the team speed um, really being up and I think the defensive secondary certainly would play into that yeah. conversation because it's the most new. It's the same way I would describe the guys that just moved on. Uh, and it's what Aaron Henry is. It's what Ryan Walters was. I think it's Antonio Finellis, who's an undersized, under-recruited guy. They're feisty. They're aggressive. And I think this is a kudos to the coaching staff. They're very instinctive. Like, they read plays well. We saw that with Devin Witherspoon. We saw that with Sidney Brown. Sidney's, I guess, issue was if when he got over-aggressive. But those guys... They really understand the position. I think these coaches do a heck of a job uh, going over film and all of that. So uh, it's it's a huge dramatic change of what they were under Lovey Smith, which was kind of reactive, kind of thinking too much, it felt like. And I think Sidney Brown has backed that up in our conversations with him. These guys are just allowed to play free, aggressive, and they 
obviously study really well because that makes them instinctive and kind of be able to read plays like Devin Witherspoon did and make the hits that he did. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the, it, it's interesting. I, I think we see the staff recruit more to a like a mindset than we do a physical because like the room is long and fast. Yeah, um, but they definitely like, recruit long. Like that, yeah. that is something they've definitely done. Obviously, you want to recruit speed, but they do want a type of mindset. That is for sure. I think I think that's my big takeaway with how they built the room because Tyson Rooks is much longer than Xavier Scott. Both were recruited, but it's like it's different. So I think I don't think it's like okay, Illinois likes defensive backs that fall into X window of height or whatever. I I think mindset really does. Like it sounds corny. It sounds like hard to quantify. But if you look at it, like it's a lot of the same things you hear about one recruit, you hear about another and about another. And I think that's a real thing. Yeah, and I, I they didn't recruit these guys, but Taz Nicholson's starting even though he's 5'9". Tyler Strain's 5'8". And, and he, I think right now, probably has the leg up on the starting spot. I think Caleb Patterson's going to push him. Caleb 6'2", really long. So uh, that's going to be fun to watch moving forward. All right, Joey, let's bring up some names, some risers, some guys that – Illinois fans should know that maybe didn't make a big impact last year, but could break through and, and make a big impact this season. So, I'll, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to name three, but I'm going to lump them into one. You're taking three? Look, it, it'll make sense. Okay. The offensive line recruiting class of 2021. Yeah. So, that's Zach Barlow. It's Josh Geske. It's Josh Krutz. Um, I think you're hearing a lot of buzz for either of those guys being ones or if you're a Barlev, like a, a one and a half or a two, especially a two at several different positions. Like those offensively to me are the names that probably because they're fighting for the openings. Uh, and there are very few other offensive positions really fighting for some of those openings. But those three names I think are important names. So if you want to order them, you can go Kroot, Geski, Barlev would probably be uh, in that order. But uh, those names stick out to me, man. Yeah, um, those are the last three in-state recruits that Lovey Smith was able to get. Uh, all under-recruited for the most part. Geske had a couple Power 5 offers, all recruited during COVID. Um, but all those guys are, are starting to turn into key depth pieces. Remember two years ago, right before the Penn State game, when Brett Bielma got all that crap for saying, we don't have a second string. That was because those guys were basically the second string as true freshmen. Crutes uh, and Barlev played in the barge formation against Penn State, right? So... Those guys didn't play much this year, but they are developed. They've been in the system. And, you know, Bart Miller seems to be showing some faith in these guys now. Um, the fact that Geske is in the starting group, and I was told last fall he's the guy that could make a big impact that you don't know about. Long, athletic, maybe not the strongest quite yet, but he's a phenomenal story. He's got diabetes, and, he, you know, so he's had – he had to have a plan coming in here. How are you going to gain weight safely under control with diabetes? Uh, and he's taken that step. So they needed somebody in-house, and he's done it. Kroots, this is your greatest opportunity to run with the job. Undersized, we know that. We know the bloodlines are fantastic. Seems to do everything they want. It's just, can he physically handle the position? And I think he can. I mean, I saw him against t Rod Edwards. Those were fun battles. Um, those were pretty fun battles. So, We'll see. Um, if he doesn't show enough, I think they'll go to the portal. But Barlev, being an interior guy, can play guard, can play center. I thought he looked really good at guard the other day. Uh, snapping was an issue for this group at center the other day. But um, I do think Barlev's a solid piece in your two deep. And that's what you want. All these guys, Joey, are part of the top eight of this – top eight or nine of this offensive line and help maybe raise the, the floor of what your second string is at the very least. 
Yeah, it's exactly how you would. I mean, it's how Brett Bielema wants his offensive lines, like the the timeline of progression. No one wants to put true freshmen on the offensive line. That happened in 2017. It was an abject disaster. Played out long term because yes. those guys started a lot of games. 2017 was not good. And no one would argue it was good. That's why I think that falls in uh, to exactly what we want to think, Jeremy. I know you've got some defensive back names probably. I, I will, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with a, a name that, to be honest with you, I didn't know would make an impact or not. A name that, if we were speculating, is this guy going to enter the portal after the spring or during the offseason? I would have speculated. I don't really do that in publicly, but now I will say that I would have done that. Griffin Moore. Illinois needs some tight ends. They lost Michael Marquez, who had a really good senior season. 141 yards as a tight end, was just behind Tip Ryman. Uh, led the uh, tight ends and touchdowns with two. Uh, and you lose Luke Ford, who obviously didn't make as big of an impact as everyone hoped he would, but he was still playing a lot of reps as a blocker. But I think Griffin Moore, I mean, you heard, you talked with Robbie Disher, named him, saying he's had a nice spring so far. And Griffin is very confident. He had a catch during the the bowl game and he said that's really given him a lot of confidence and he has little doubt that he's going to make an impact and it sounds like they're they're excited about what he can bring to that tight end room that has a lot of questions they brought in tanner ark in the colorado state transfer they have three redshirt freshmen owen anderson navian cargill henry boyer but i think more fits in nicely to that michael marquez role kind of more of an h-back more of a receiving threat um, not a great blocker he said he needs to work on that more and he has but with Ryman being such a good blocker, Arkin's kind of proven as a blocker at this level. You need kind of a more dynamic receiving threat. And there was no question about Griffin Moore's hands coming out of high school, even though he played quarterback. It was more about can he add the size? Is he big enough? But in that Michael Marquez role, I think he can make a decent impact on offense. I'm with you. And when he committed, he was an in-state guy, down-the-street guy from Bloomington High School, and you thought, this is going to be like a program guy? And I still think he's a really good program guy, like – you and I have talked about this. This is unrelated to anything on the field. It's like, who would you give like an official visitor to or make sure they talk to? It, honestly, it's probably Griffin Moore. Was, remember, Jeremy, when he was in that class? Was he class of 2018? 2019. He committed, I think, the same week as Isaiah Williams. That's right. And he was kind of like a, you know, like the jo- JoJo Hayden was in yeah. this class, kind of that outgoing, try to piece it together guy, um, r- recruiter guy. But you never knew, right? I mean, you just never really knew what kind of impact that would end up translating to on the field. And I guess we still don't, but this is the best option or the best time for him, Jeremy, yeah. to go out there and carve out a role because there's a role to be carved. Yeah. Uh, losing – I know Luke Ford didn't have the most productivity, but losing he, losing Michael Marquez, that means there's snaps available. Yeah. And Griffin Moore has put himself in the conversation to take those. Yeah, I think Henry Boyer is going to be in the mix, but he's kind of the the jumbo blocker um, until we see him catch the ball. Like he's he's a nice option. I think they can break the rotation. But you know, I thought maybe it was Owen Anderson or Cargill or Arkin who would play this role. But you know, Griffin Moore. Um, maybe we need to start talking about him and entering his fifth year. That's a good story, man. As you said, like. Caleb Griffin, Griffin Moore, these are guys you want in your program. Bryce Barnes, like the local guys, it matters to him to make an impact at Illinois. So to see him make an impact at Illinois would be really cool. All right, give me another name. Well, we talked a lot about Xavier Scott, so I I don't want to maybe belabor that too much, but like we're talking about somebody who we think is going to be a starter who's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, playing the Quan Martin role, which was insanely valuable. 
for this defense. Like we talk so much about Sydney's end of the year, Devin's year, of course, but uh, Quan Martin was so valuable to what they did defensively. Yeah, and I think Xavier Scott steps into that role. Yep. So not not to to keep hitting people in the head with the Xavier Scott name, but really probably know it. Um, because yeah, I think because he's done a good job. Out of the guys in the D, you know secondary, he's one of the three guys I would pencil in as a starter. Yeah, maybe four yeah, if you want right. to include Nicario Harper. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, you said maybe four. I thought maybe Tyler Strain, who I guess we could also have in this conversation. But Xavier Scott just feels like it's going to be week one against Toledo. And when they're doing the introduction, he's going to go out there and be the Quan Martin role. And yeah. safeties are everything to this defense. They, they really are. And there's a reason for di- now, obviously, both of them had a defensive a background and playing defensive back. But like to me, there's a reason that Aaron Henry went over and coached the safeties uh, when they hired Antonio Fernellis yeah. rather than staying with the corners. I, I think they really, like, it's a really, really big deal in this defense. And I think they're asked to do a lot. All right, I'm going to go with a fun one that people are going to like talking about because it's a skill player that could uh, have the ball in his hands a lot. And, and St. Dominic taking a break from his basketball um, worries. He says, when Wisconsin was good under Brett, he just had a running back after running back came at you all game long with a powerful offensive line. But he said, I still want another running back out of the portal. I have played with that conversation. Most of this offseason is, would Illinois go to the portal to get a top-tier talent running back? I don't know how many of those guys were available, but I think they wanted to see what they have because they do have talent. They do have interesting options back there. So I'm just going to trust Brett Bielma at this point to know what what he needs at running back to be successful because, as Dominic said, like they have, like he's got the history there. But one guy I think that could stop them from doing that would be Jordan Anderson. I He's got some fans inside that uh, Illinois coaching staff. I loved him as a prospect. I remember people asked me when Bielma got hired, who are some in-state guys you think he'd go after? Jordan Anderson was number one because he's a big, physical running back that could pair with uh, some of Illinois' more explosive options. Um, and I just think he makes a lot of sense. What I saw the other day was good. You know, Josh McCray still got to prove it, right? And, and I think Jordan Anderson's going to have some opportunities, whether it's a red zone. He's a really good pass catcher, so he can kind of be an H-back. Uh, I think you can have him in two running back sets. And he's got some wiggle to him. So I saw some good things on Saturday. I think Jordan Anderson is going to get 50 to 100 touches uh, this year. And if there's an injury, maybe he develops into one of the top options. Yeah, 100% with you. It's been a name that you and I have been talking about almost since, I don't want to say right since last season ended, but we we talked about him personally a lot coming into spring ball about what it could mean. So, So when St. Dominic says running back after running back coming at you, and I think Barry Lunny really touched on that um, in his opening press conference. Last year for this offense and what they want to be was a little bit of an anomaly. Yes. And I, obviously you can't say that in a bad way because Chase Brown helped you win football games. He was a Doak Walker finalist. He's going to be drafted. But that's just – I mean, it's just 15 years of a body of work with Brett Bielema, Jeremy, that that's not how he goes about things where you have such a discrepancy between your one back and two back in terms of handoffs, carries, yards, production, all those things. So I think you'll see it balance out a little bit more, which I know you, you've talked to Barry, I know you'll end up having a story about this, but like yeah. there has to be a little bit of that shift in thinking and how we talk about this team and how we cover this team. And if you're a fan, what you should expect, uh, because that's more the norm than the Chase Brown 
pumping out all of those yards, leading the power five wire to wire and rushing. That that was a, a yeah. product of largely Josh McCray being hurt and yeah. Chase being really good. Yeah, I think that's what we need to bring up, and I'm, I'm glad you did, Joey, because they planned on Josh McCray getting 100-plus carries last year. They did not plan on Chase Brown having 300-plus carries, but they had to because Reggie Love was solid, but Chase was better. And they didn't have that big back option ready because Josh McCray was hurt and Jordan Anderson. They didn't want to throw him out towards the end of the season. Uh, in his first big game is like at Michigan or something with a carry on the goal line. Northwestern would have made sense, to be yes. honest with you, with Jordan Anderson. I agree. Um, but P.J. Hill and John Clay ran the ball together at Wisconsin, right? Both 150 carries. Uh, Monty Ball and John Clay both ran the ball together. And then you get towards the end of Brett Bielema's time. It was Monty Ball, James White, and a freshman named Melvin Gordon starting to get carries. And then the last year, obviously, James White and, and Melvin Gordon uh, and Monty Ball almost all you know, <laughs> rushing for a ridiculous amount of yards. So, yes, this is a committee. We need to start – like, we're not going to talk about, like, it's exclusive that because Reggie Love gets carries that Josh McCray and Jordan Anderson are not. Like, all three of those backs could get legit carries uh, on this team. So, you know, Mike Epstein and Reggie Corbin split time, right? Like, I, I think you're going to see more of that moving forward. All right, give me another name. I hate to do this because it feels a little early. Um, no, I don't want to do that yet. <laughs> I don't know. You just teased the heck out of me. I know, I know, I know. Because I think it's important to keep expectations realistic, but I can't – and maybe it's because I just went and transcribed Aaron Henry's conversation with us. Uh, but the Miles Scott move interests me. <laughs> I don't know what – that's why – you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. why I didn't want to do it. But, like, if you watch that video of him – it's hard to so make put him on the back burner. Now that we said it, just know that he moved a defensive back. Yeah, the fact that Aaron Henry like singled him out, I felt I followed up on it because you said Miles Scott, Miles Scott. I'll say it again, Miles Scott. Um, now Miles was like mostly second and third string the other day. Yeah, so that's why I'm not like I don't see him passing up like four cornerbacks. No. Like I think Elijah McCantos is more likely to play yes, than him I'm with you. as the fourth corner. But it was worth noting that he thought Miles Scott has had a strong spring. So I'll back you so, up there. So can I do my real ones? Probably T. Ry Edwards. I love it. He was good he, last year. Yeah, he was good last year. And look, it's there now. Like, you either take this nose nose tackle spot and don't make Illinois look around. Illinois looked around. You've posted about a defensive line visitor on campus this weekend. Uh, but if T. Rod Edwards can step up, and you're helped, right? Like, that position is really important for Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton to do what they do. But that, those two are also really important for that position to, to really – you can play well that position with those guys around you. So I think he's a name, Jeremy, because I think right now he would be your starting nose guard. Um, yeah, no question. Tackle. Yeah, yeah. They, no, they brought still, in they brought yeah, in Denzel yeah. Daxon, the Ohio transfer, who's second string guy, was the second nose tackle up. Uh, I really liked what T. Rod did during this this scrimmage. Uh, I thought Josh Kurtz won some battles, but I also thought uh, T. Rod Edwards won some battles. So that was kind of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, the fact that you know it's it's out there. Trill Carter, the Minnesota transfer, visited this past weekend. He's got multiple years of eligibility. All Big Ten honorable mention. He's I watch him play. He's more of a nose tackle, but he did play some three technique, so he gives you some versatility and depth there. And 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 the message about that is I I don't know if it's like hey T. R. Edwards isn't ready for this. I think it's we can never have enough good defensive linemen. And Illinois got lucky and that Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph really didn't have any injuries last year. Those guys played insane reps. Johnny Newton played a hundred more reps than any other interior defensive lineman in the big 10 last year. Keith Randolph was third in the big 10 with like 600 something. Um, 
So they don't want to have to play those guys as much. Of course, they're so good. They're going to be on the field a lot. Um, but yeah, so I don't think that says like T-Rod's not ready. I think they think T-Rod's no. good. Mm-hmm. But if you can add a guy with multiple years of eligibility like Trill Carter, I think they'll do that. The other guy on the defensive line uh, I want to mention is Sed McConnell. They need a backup three technique. And they raved uh, about – when I talked to Terrence Jameson in the offseason for you know, a story about Johnny and Keith coming back, he talked about Sed McConnell. He brought him up without me bringing up Sed and said, this guy's taking a step forward. I think we heard that from Aaron Henry the other day and Brett Bielema. So they need another guy you can count on for 200-plus snaps in a season at three technique. And Sed McConnell certainly has the physical attributes – to do that so he's another name that not a starter but could he be jamal woods next year can he be a guy who can be disruptive in a rotational role i want to add um you get to a linebacker jeremy if i can go and name the next one i think dylan rosiak uh is a name to know because i think a lot of people already know kanina odaluga yeah. um th- those two probably in my mind operate together just in terms of one of those two is going to be that third linebacker in the mix, but because people have heard of Odaluga a little bit more recently, Dylan Rosiak is the guy to, to really maybe re-familiarize yourself with. I remember the fun story when he committed was Jake Hansen's high school, close yeah, family yeah. friends with the Hansen. And it's funny, Jeremy, I was actually just thinking, when, remember when Brett Bielema got hired? I think he called him like a firecracker or yeah. something in that first spring. And I'm like, uh, he's like a freshman that you didn't recruit. I'm going to hold off on thinking a lot about this, but he's a name you hear more and more. Andy Boo's done a good job developing, recruiting. Uh, and Andy obviously didn't recruit Dylan Rosiak, yeah. but he's done a good job of developing that room. So I know you know Kenan Odaluga, but be familiar with Dylan Rosiak as well. Here's a tip I would give to fans. I know we don't watch a lot special team snaps, but when you see young linebackers and young DBs getting a lot of playing time on special teams – that usually bodes well for them translating to their position because they're bought into it, they're fast, they're physical, they're kind of fearless. Um, and, and Dylan Rosiak's one of those guys. Odaluga is one of those guys. Devin Witherspoon, when he was a freshman, was one of those guys. Sidney Brown played a lot of special teams, uh, even into his final year here at Illinois. So I think it's always worth watching who plays on special teams. And Rosiak is a core performer there. Um, and I... He had some nice plays the other day. He, he chased down Josh McCray during the spring scrimmage. They had a little skirmish after it. So, so Rosiak's got some stuff to him and uh, had some sideline-to-sideline side speed. Uh, so I liked seeing that. Uh, and I do think him and Odaluga are going to play some significant snaps because we still got to see C.J. Hart healthy. We know Tariq Barnes, what he is. Uh, the other guy I want to mention out of that group is uh, James Kurtz. He filled out those arms, man. Uh, he's gotten a, gotten a lot stronger, so I think he's going to make a special teams impact for sure, and and gives you good depth along with Malachi Hood and JoJo Hayden there. Uh, just one more special teams example uh, because it fits in perfectly. Isaac Darkangelo was a core four guy before he led the team in tackles Perfect. a year ago, and Clayton Fedjulin yeah. <laughs> was one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this I, I think those are two guys to know. I well, I feel like we've named Jeremy. I think we got. Um, it. I, I'm trying to think offensively. I. I don't like wide receiver. I think you know the three, and, and then I mean Beatty's probably the backup slot, right? But uh, Ashton Hollins intrigues me. He's he's very thin, but he's he's made a few plays in the time that we've seen him. That's gonna be an George interesting McDonald. competition. Yeah, yeah. And I asked George McDonald about Hollins and about Ian Pugh, two guys who we knew Jeremy were longer term yeah, yeah. Um, guys when they signed them, and George McDonald said they've they've added to their body, which 
honestly, as he said, it's kind of impossible to do unless you don't want to do it. Um, as a college football player, like you, you work with Thank Right, and you're, you're probably gonna gonna see some shifts. He said they're just so long that you don't see it at first glance because there's a lot of length there. I mean, they're both six. What are they listed at, Jeremy? Six three, six four. I mean, Action Hollins and Pew, tall guys. Uh, so maybe they don't. You'll probably see them first in the spring game. Uh, so they're not going to look like the thickest, most physically imposing guys. They have added weight, but I still, I mean, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on the idea that let's see what happens when your two really talented wide receivers uh, get to campus and what that can do to shake up the room. I don't, at least that that second tier. Yeah, I don't want to over. I, I don't want to look too much into it. Right, that's where we can get in trouble with some of mm-hmm. these things. But you know, with Matthew Bailey out, he's going to be a starter at safety most likely. Um, the fact that TJ Griffin was the first on the field at free safety was just intriguing to me. So I, I'll put it at that. And, and Solo Turner uh, is a guy that maybe could crack the two deep. I think he could play uh, a role on special teams after redshirting last to, year. To echo that, Matthew Bailey was with the first when we saw when Sidney yeah. Brown was out uh, in fall camp last year, and obviously that played. So that plays. Like Brett Bielema knew the practice was open, but Brett Bielema also knows he's only got 15 of these things. He's not going to throw smoke screens and waste a 15 just to confuse us. So the fact that TJ Griffin was out there might not mean a lot this season, uh, but it's also something that you just simply can't overlook. Yeah. All right. You got anything else to add, Joey? Um, I think I think we covered it there because uh, it was fun to see. It was, it was fun to be able to see practice, get to know these guys a little bit. The one thing I will notice, just from a – it's not surprising to me the defense will be ahead of the offense. They usually are this early, especially when you get that front seven back. Um, but the depth is improving. Like – Maybe not in certain areas, but defensively, it's certainly improving. Uh, even though we got some questions with, you know, some of these guys out like Chris Lauren Whitenack. Like if Chris Lauren Whitenack were there and healthy, I would have felt a lot better about the second string offensive line. Like the wide receivers we're talking about are still underclassmen, so it's not a surprise that they still need to develop. Um, but I just think their depth is getting so much better. Their length is noticeable and then when you have Aaron Henry saying we're a fast team now um that's that's encouraging as well so hope springs eternal in spring football but when you have that dominant of a front seven a good offensive line back and uh, in, in depth at a lot of positions you're starting to feel better yeah and it looks like what year three of a coaching regime regime should look like is you start to have your guys in the system for two years or whatever the case may be and continue to develop and learn how you go about things. The only thing I wish, wish we'd have seen more quarterback wise. I know that's the question everybody has. I truly do wish we had more we could provide, but dude, it like, yeah, we are soft as a me, like you and I are huddling in the tunnel, um, trying, trying to break some wind. But like it did, it, it was not a pleasant day out there. So like, that's, I, I do wish we had more, honestly on that front but i was not personally trying to break wind i was trying to get a break from the wind yes there's important Uh, uh, words prepositions involved there yeah it's a good call so i (laughs) should have had a proofreader on that one huh Um, oh we gotta get this we gotta get this question if you wanted to do the former that would have been fine uh but yeah yes we wanted to get a break from the wind that's the question of the day as always joey tyson update us on uniforms guys they they will wear them (laughs) They will have, I mean, I'm not they will have orange on them. I think they'll have a black eye on the helmet because Brett Bielema likes the black eye, which I agree. I think, you know, you could do the cursive Illini, you know, the, the script Illini. I think they 
My my guess is they'll have that on the piping where they used to have the. I, I think they need to phase out that shield thing. I'm sorry, I'm not, not never been the biggest shield. I'm not the biggest Marvel guy, uh, so maybe have a little script Illini. They seem to be liking that in the football program right now. I don't think it's going to change too much. He Orange wants, he will likes, be featured. He likes traditional. Brett, he likes traditional. He likes traditional, and he I mean, he's told me this that like. Orange is not the most common color in college football. Uh, Brett Bielma wants to make sure orange is emphasized within their program because it stands out. One of the real things that Tim Beckman got right. He said, only orange. He tried to do that early on in his tenure. But he's right. Like That's that's what I do like about Minnesota, even though the color scheme is not like pretty, like maroon and gold, but it you know who it is. How many red teams do we have in the Big Ten? It's like half of them. Like at it's least, pretty, at least you have something different. It's a pretty good amount of them. And look, I I will say, like a part of me wants to. I, I try to think who runs the social media for Illinois football. I need to know their highest engagement tweet that they've put out there in the Bielema tenure, because I think the uniform release <laughs> is going to absolutely eviscerate the previous record. It had to be the Nebraska one, right? The one that no longer yeah, exists. Yeah, thanks for getting the season played. Yeah, they had to delete it. They were told yeah. to delete it. That but, was like I'm not kidding. That is going to get an absurd amount of play because that's all we hear. And I understand, yeah. dude. Like I get it. People are excited. They they want to know. I would tell you again, hang tight because I don't think you're going to get to see these things until the summer, probably late in the summer. Like it's not. There's no not going to be a surprise in the spring game where it's like, oh wait, what now? Nope. This is going to be a, a later in the summer reveal. Just reminds me of the rebrand. I had to cover a rebrand ceremony where they had a fashion show. Simon Sianovich wearing the Illinois football uniforms for everybody, which you look back on that. <laughs> Again, Tracy Abrams wearing the basketball uniforms. I think it was at Fullinger Auditorium. They had this with Mike Thomas and all that. And they had the feathers. Everyone was kind of excited about some kind of chief homage there. And, now everybody hates those jerseys, so I don't think they'll have that. I just think, yeah, social media they'll post it out there at some point, and I doubt they're going to give us the insight there. I do not think so. Like at this point, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Like they they have to be in touch enough to know that they're just going to cook through a bunch of engagement opportunities with this when they finally put them out there. All right, Joey Wagner, appreciate the time, man. It was good uh, breaking down some Illinois football. All right, man, appreciate it. See you. We want to see you. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.